I want to tell you about Ai Wei, a new podcast you should check out. I'm so excited about this one. It's hosted by Jamila Jamil, who you all know from The Good Place and from when she came on Brave Not Perfect a couple months ago. On Ai Wei, Jamila is on a mission to help people understand and overcome their past shames, including her own. And she wants everyone in on this journey. Every week, Jamila chats with your favorite, smart, interesting, and inspiring people. You'll hear some truly vulnerable and hilarious stories from people like Demi Lovato, Billy Porter, Reese Witherspoon, Roxanne Gay, and so many more. I Way is about growing and loving yourself and about celebrating progress, not perfection. Because all we're doing is our best and learning how to be a better person. Listen to I Way with Jamila Jamil now in your favorite podcast app and make sure to subscribe and favorite. Hi, I'm Reshma. Welcome to Brave Not Perfect, the show where we work to break free from the cult of perfection to live bolder and ultimately happier lives. Right now, many students and teachers are getting ready to start the fall semester. And there's a lot of uncertainty about what the next months are gonna hold. Our guest today knows one thing, a lot of students are gonna need access to mental health resources. Dr. Jill Biden says she's been hearing from teachers all over the country about how the pandemic has been affecting students. For today's episode, we talked to Dr. B about the challenges of virtual education, the teachers she admires who are going above and beyond for their students during this pandemic, and about how she's eager to get back to the classroom after the election. Plus, she opens up about how she handles the spotlight and makes space for herself to live a life independent from her husband, presidential candidate Joe Biden. And a woman came in in my class and she said, Dr. B, Dr. B, I saw you last night on the television with Michelle Obama. So for the entire semester, she had no idea. So some of my students know and some never knew. So I think it's important that uh, we be independent. I had the joy of speaking to Dr. B as part of the Girls Who Code Summer series in front of a virtual audience of students in the Girls Who Code Summer program. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, everybody. Uh, Hello, all the Girls Who Code. I am so excited to be here with someone I admire, um, someone who I call a friend, uh, Dr. Biden. It's such an honor to have you here. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me to do this. It's exciting to get to talk to everybody. Yes, it's such an honor to see you and to and to have you talk to the girls. One of my fondest memories in the world was um, after I lost my congressional race in 2010, I was invited to a Christmas party at your home. And <laughs> literally you and um, your husband, Vice President Biden, spent 45 minutes with me and my husband and told me never to give up and to keep yes. fighting and to continue to be, to serve. And so much of that inspiration is what leads me to have built this incredible movement. So I am so grateful for your kindness. And look where you landed. I mean, really, you're doing such great things. And, you know, you've been an inspiration to so many young girls and you're changing their lives. So, you know, look where you are. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So let's get started. 
I am constantly learning from my girls about bravery and resilience. And of course, learning about the latest new TikTok dances, which uh, I am not fully an expert on, but I'm getting there. We don't get to see one. (laughs) I'll send you a clip of me and my five-year-old doing uh, the latest one. But one of the things that I've heard you say so often is that teachers are always learning from their students. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know, what are some of the things that you've learned from your students over the years? Well, you know, I, I gosh, I've learned so much from my students. But um, there's one story that stands out to me in particular. And uh, that was when uh, I was teaching and I had to tell my, my class that I would miss the next session for personal reasons. And, um, you know, uh, my students... Uh, have a lot of shining qualities, but boundaries are not one of them. And so they immediately began shouting, Dr. B, Dr. B, where are you going? And so I, I tried to tell them that my sister was going to go into the hospital to have a stem cell transplant. And I started to explain that to them with, you know, as, as much courage as I could muster, but um, I could hear my voice crack. And so I turned to face the whiteboard to sort of get myself in control. And when I turned back around, my entire class was standing and they lined up and they gave me a hug one by one. And, you know, it wasn't until that moment that I realized how much their strength meant to me and how much my classroom was so much a sense of community and Mm. we had we all deeply cared about one another and so I think it's that kindness empathy uh that sense of you know that we're all in this together and look at today I mean, that especially applies to these times during this pandemic, when I think, um, I'm sure your girls, I'm sure a lot of them are alone in their apartments. They may not be with their families. And um, we need community. You know, human beings are such social animals, and we need that, you know, that give and take with one another. And I truly miss that with with not being able to be with my students. And um, so I hope to be back in the classroom after hopefully November and uh, continue on with what I've been doing and, uh, you know, have back that that sense of community. Yeah, it's such a powerful point, Dr. Biden. In the Girls Who Code, we call that community our sisterhood. You know, going back to the moment that we're in right now, you've been an educator for a long time. Uh, one would have thought you've seen everything. But what's happening now is a complete new normal. Like this virtual world is a new normal for so many high school girls. Mm-hmm. You know, how can girls prepare for a future? where virtual education might be the norm. So for example, you know, I have a lot, we have a lot of students who are essential workers, right? Uh Taking care of a young person are getting Wi-Fi in a Burger King parking lot Mm -hmm. and their education is everything to them. So how do girls prepare for this future world? Well, you know, your, your girls are already ahead of the game because Mm -hmm. they know and they love technology. 
So they're way ahead of a lot of students I have in my classroom who, you know, are learning technology for the first time. I have a lot of students at the community college who are maybe in their 30s or their 40s. They're coming back to school and um, and they don't know technology. So I started actually a mentoring group. It's called the Women's Retention Project to help women who are coming back to school um, and retain them because a lot of them have math anxiety. Many of them don't know um, technology. And so I think the girls that you work with are already, you know, they're already on a positive path to, uh, to the future. And so they're already, you know, they're the ones who are going to get the jobs. And that's why I feel like where I teach is so great because we teach to the needs of the communities, whether that's nurses, whether it's childcare workers, whether it's uh, women in technology. And so community college students get jobs just like you're the girls that you work with will get jobs. And that's important because women have to be independent and we have to support our families. And that's always what I've taught my daughter and what I try to teach my students. Yeah. I mean, as you know, so many of the women in your community, they're the ones that are putting food on the table, right? And making sure they pay for the mortgage and making sure that kids have a chance at the middle class. And so it's so important. And technology is going to play a huge role in that future job growth. So, you know, one of the huge downsides, and you pointed to this, of this health crisis is related to well-being, right? And one of the huge downsides of virtual education is related to well-being. You can't hug someone. You can't put them, you know, talk to them in the school cafeteria and say, am I crazy? Did you just experience that too? Or I'm struggling with this. And a lot of our girls feel isolated. They're stuck. Some of them are worried about their health. They're worried about their parents' health, their grandparents' health. Do you have any advice for them on how to deal with the day-to-day? Sure. You know, as you know, I was a little bit late because I came from a funeral. Yeah. And a friend had lost her husband. And she came up to me at the end of the service. Now it was outside. The service was outside. And she went to hug me. And then she realized we can't hug each other. You know, and so we missed that connection, you know, of just embracing one another, especially after she lost her husband. So, so many people, like you're saying, are dealing with depression or anxiety or feelings of being alone. And I try to tell, um, I try to tell women, especially, you know, you need to find uh, something for yourself, just something, some little thing for yourself, whether for me, that's exercise. I mean, I love to exercise and it starts my day off right. And I feel good and I feel confident starting my day, but it could be exercise. It could be meditation. It could be prayer. It could be journaling. Whatever that one thing is that you can find for yourself to sort of create a space of peace. And then I think you can feel like you can handle anything. But not to get too political about this, but I have to tell you that one thing that um, Joe is going to push for is more mental health care. Because teachers all over this country are saying to me, Jill, our kids are going to come back into the classroom having suffered from anxiety and food insecurity and child abuse is on the rise. 
And you know, they're going to be bringing all this back into the classroom. And the teachers are not just going to be teaching science or uh, tech courses or whatever. They're going to have to help these kids get back to normal. And there is really no normal anymore. Yeah. So I think we have to figure this piece out to help all people and, you know, especially women, because women are sort of the caretakers. They're not sort of, they are the caretakers of the family. And we have to give them ways to cope and be strong so that the rest of the family feels safe and secure. Yeah, I've been really proud to hear him speak a lot about that. And, you know, I think, and it just acknowledge that it's not, you're not alone. So many Americans are suffering right now from mental health, anxiety, and depression. Now, how can you not? And I think to have a national responsiveness and acknowledgement of this and a plan, I think is really, really important. So I want to take a a question from a student, Ava. Uh, What qualities are important for women wanting to enter a field that's typically dominated by men? Well, I guess you really have to feel uh, empowered know yourself, know your skills, know who you are, and and have confidence in yourself. And I think um, that's up to um, a big part of that is mentoring what exactly what you're doing, exactly what I try to do in the classroom. And I think that if we can mentor women to just be strong and um, and women have to take risks. You know, it can't always be safe. It it can, you know, it, uh, they have to take more risk than they're used to to sort of put themselves out there and realize their worth. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, how do you inc- how do you create a culture of failure, right? And because if you uh-huh. fail, you don't build resiliency and you don't build strength. Um, yes. Question from Audrey: What is your favorite part of being an educator? Oh, I love this question. My favorite part, let's see. I guess it's the connections that I make with my students. Um, Just this morning, I heard from one of my students, and she was a dog walker before, Mm -hmm. and she went to school. That was her job. But of course, now everybody is staying home with their animals, and no one, and me too, and there's no need for dog walkers. And she said to me, Dr. B, you know, I had to take a job I didn't like. because, and she's so close to graduation. And so I think, and I told her, I, I said, you know what, Cheryl, you are so smart and you have so much going for you. I've always told you that you would be successful. She has four more courses to take until she graduates. And I encouraged her and I said, you can do this. You know, you're so close and you have to Go on and and believe in yourself and just push a little bit harder. So I think it's the encouragement. And um, I think as women, it's we have a responsibility to pass it forward. And so I hope that all the women, um, the young women on this call, once they are successful, I hope that they pass it on. They pass it forward as well because it's so. That's such an important part of it. Yeah, I mean, what a blessing! I'm so. There's so many lives that you've changed, Doctor B, by your encouragement oh, and telling them not to give up. And it's such a. Um, 
you know, we say this like in Hinduism, it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like your karmic, it's like your, it's like a gift, right. To be able to be in this place where you can actually help change people's lives and help give them the encouragement they need at that moment. So it's so powerful. I wanted to ask you, you know, going back to, cause I have to ask, you know, this experience that you're in the middle of a presidential campaign, you know, what, where have you found inspiration to keep your work going? Well, you know, my inspiration really is, um, the frontline workers. I mean, look at them. My God, you know, they get up every day. You know, they, they leave their families and their homes. They put on the mask. They don't, you know, they haven't had enough uh, protective equipment. And they and it's so important that we, I mean, they're my inspiration. Look, look at all, look at the woman who owns the, the restaurant and she's now making meals for for the workers in the hospitals um look at the people who go into their jobs and clean everything you know so that people can come into the stores or the bakeries or wherever that is so i think they are my inspiration because they've become they're essential all of them are so essential and i think um you know and teachers there was one teacher who told me this story that um, she was teaching and in one family, they had five kids. And so all the kids were at school and so, or, you know, online on school. And so they had to take turns with the computer. So her student could only take, get on the computer at 530 at night. And so she taught, this teacher taught her full load of classes all day. And then she got back on the computer at 530 at night to teach this one student. I mean, that that is so inspiring to me, especially as a teacher myself, and to see what people are doing to help other people and to reach out. I mean, this is who we are as Americans. You know, this is who we are. This is who we are. And just heroes, right? We like lend a hand to one another. We lift each other up and we support each other through our toughest times. So question from Alia. As a teenager, how can we be a leader and have our voice heard? Oh, my gosh. Well, as a teenager, I guess it's um, doing things like, uh, you know, joining your program and gaining confidence and finding a path and um, connecting with uh, other girls. And I, I think that creates a whole positive sense of community. And I think that's that's so important. So as a teenager, I hope she's, um, and I hope she's journaling. I hope she's reflecting, you know, I'm an English teacher, so I have to throw that in. Um, so I hope she's reflecting on what this pandemic has meant to her and her life. How has it changed her? What has she learned about herself as a person? What does she see in her future that she'd like to change? You know, these are all questions that now we have a little time to sit and reflect. We're not running here and running there. And now is a time of reflection. And I think it can be a very positive time, especially in a young girl's life. Yeah, that's such a powerful point. And I hope everyone's listening really got what you said, because I feel like that's the biggest lesson that I've learned or I've learned in my life is that... (laughs) When I've learned the most about myself, it's been when I've been in the valley, right? And we're literally in the valley right now. And we have a moment 
to think about ourselves and who do we want to be when we get out of this. And yeah. so that's, I mean, it's such an important lesson, I think, to tell the young people right now. Um, we have a couple more minutes, but I want to have a couple more questions. So I read somewhere that you were a teacher and your husband was the vice president. You would ask the Secret Service agents to dress up like college <laughs> students and sit out in the hallway yeah. on laptops yeah. because you didn't want to draw attention to yourself. That's right. And I love that story because I think it tells us a lot about you and your family and who you are and what I've experienced in, in the time that I've gotten to know you and how committed you are as your, to your identity as a teacher and what that means to you. Um, today, I assume it's a little bit harder for you to shy away from the spotlight. Um, and with the spotlight comes a lot of pressure. And so how do you handle this pressure to be perfect? It's a message that I talk to young women about all the time. And it's something that I think a lot of us were socialized to be and a pressure that I think many women are feeling to be per the perfect mom, the imperfect employee, perfect. the perfect teacher in this pandemic. Um, how do you handle that? Well, going back to your to the first part of what you were talking about, I wanted to tell you the girls a, a really funny story. So um, when I first started teaching and, and actually in subsequent semesters, one semester I had, uh, it was grade conferences and I was sitting in my room and a woman came in in my class and she said, Dr. B, Dr. B, I saw you last night on the television with Michelle Obama. And I said, yes. And she said, and I called in my mother and I said, mom, mom, come here. That's my English teacher on the television. And my mother said to me, that is not your English teacher. That's the second lady of the United States. So for the entire semester, she had no idea. So some of my students know and some never knew. I mean, you know, I, I can remember uh, actually last semester, I forget what they were journaling and somebody wrote about how they wanted one of the other candidates to be president. And I, and I thought that is a student who has no idea that my husband is running for president. It was so funny. And I never, ever told him. So um, I love that part of it. I think it's important for every woman to have her own identity. I went to graduate school um, to get my master's degrees and my doctorate. And I went under my maiden name. So uh, the students in those classes did not, some of them did, but most of them did not know that I was married to Joe. So I think it's important that uh, we be independent, strong women. And um, now I forget the second part of your question. Well, the second part of it was like, so how do you, you know, maybe do you feel a pressure to be perfect? And if you do, like, how do you handle it? Well, I think we all feel that pressure that we have to live up to, you know, the, the women that we see in the magazines or the television or, um, but, you know, we, we can have it all, but we can't have it all at the same time. And so while you're being a mother, you have to give 100% to that. When I'm in the classroom, I try to give 100% to that. When I'm doing, when I was doing things as second lady, I tried to give 100% to that. So um, I think we just have to try to do the best we can at what we want to do. Yeah, I think that's such a, 
it's like forgiving yourself, right? And and that's yes. and, and it's yes. authenticity and what it's how women really actually operate and function in the world. Yes. And 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 is that like you know with with our flaws and with our challenges and with the mess behind the scenes that that's who make that's what makes us us exactly. Um, and that's probably okay. Last question um, before yes. I let you go. Um, so every especially in this moment right now where I think every young person is thinking about how do I make the world a better place like crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. And so what we do at, at uh, Girls Who Code is the girls build something. Maybe it's about climate change. Maybe it's about Black Lives Matter, right? We want to raise awareness through technology. Uh, a couple of years ago, two of our students built a game called Tampon Run. Yes, was, I've heard uh, about it. Yes, and it was you know to, to fight against the menstruation taboo. Sure. Um, and the goal was to really raise awareness around this issue. If you could create one act, what would it do and what would you call it? Um, I would create an app, I think, for mentoring so that you could connect with a mentor and you could, you know, just and it's similar to what I did at the community college where, you know, it's not just about, um, well, my mentoring group wasn't just about questions of uh, academia. You know, how do you sign up for a course? What do I do if I'm failing a course? But it's more about life. You know, like, how do you get a loan? How do you um, find childcare? How do you uh, find time to do your homework when you waitressing and you get in at 11 o'clock at night? And so how do, you, how do you figure that out? Or maybe you're caring for aging parents. So I think I would call it, um, let's see, um, hmm. how, about, uh, how about we'll mentor. I love it. <laughs> That's a good one. We're going to have to get you in the business of naming apps. That's a good one. It's so, um, what a great idea. Because I do think it's like, oftentimes we don't ask for help as women. And I think in some ways, like the app allows you to say, hey, I need information on this, on all these different facets of my life. So I love it. Well, that is so great. And I bet you one of the girls, some of the girls that are listening right now may be inspired by this idea to build a mentoring app and we'll send you our ideas. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Thank you. I um, One of the things that I'm taking away from this conversation is your commitment and your passion. You've always in many ways have been the same person. You've been committed to your students. You've been an educator, a teacher, and a healer. And you've always walked your life you. with humility. And you're a huge role model for so many of our girls. They were so excited to hear from you. And we're so excited to watch you in the coming months and learn from you and cheer you on. Oh, thanks. Grateful, grateful, grateful to you and your time. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. You just heard a conversation I had with Dr. Jill Biden as part of the Girls Who Code Summer Speaker Series. Thank you for all of the students who joined and asked such thoughtful questions. Hi, I'm your executive producer, Oliver Ash Klein. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Brave Not Perfect comes out every other Tuesday. Today's episode was also made possible by my co-producers, Tanya Zaparonic and Charlotte Stone. And of course, our fearless team leader, Deborah Singer. Andrea Jordan, Rashma Sajani, Olivia Quintana, Ashley Gramby, Gloria Noel, Aaron Page, Zenzele Skylark, Elisa Dwyer, and Raven Abreu also contributed to the making of this episode. See you in two weeks.